Hello, everyone. This is Eric Pennington, and welcome to the Spirit of EQ podcast. We're glad that you've tuned in. A few things we wanted to tell you at the beginning of the show, and that's this podcast was created to be a tool to help you, primarily to discover and grow your EQ. Science and our own lived experiences confirm that the better we are at managing our emotions, the better we're going to be at making decisions, which leads to a better life. And that's something we all want. We're glad that you've taken out the time today to listen and hope that something that you hear will lead to a breakthrough. Hey, one last thing. We'd really appreciate a review on whichever platform you use to listen. And if you want to, leave some comments about what you heard today, as well as follow and subscribe. That way you won't miss a single episode as we continue this journey. And with that, the show begins. Today's episode is The Importance of Choosing Optimism. Hello, Jeff. How are you today? I am doing well, Eric. How about you? I'm doing well. Good to see you again. And I hope everybody out there is doing well, too. Absolutely. So, Jeff, optimism. I've been thinking about it a lot lately, and primarily I've been thinking about it because there seems to be so much negative change and pessimism out there. Mm-hmm. So it's got me going into this um, a bit of a deep dive and exploring it. And one of the things I wanted to start with in this episode, optimism, I think, sometimes is construed as the person who always says that glass is half full, Jeff, and nothing better than where I'm at today. It's awesome. I love it. It's great. You know, I'm wonderful. Never better. And they're mm-hmm. always that way, which, by the way, I think sometimes is a little toxic. But, well, you know, I've used this example before, you know, cheerleaders. Right. There's two minutes left in the football game and the team is behind 28 to nothing. Right. And the cheerleaders are cheerleading. <laughs> right. And everybody knows. Look ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. Right. So I want to make it clear to you and to our listeners that this is not about um, that type of optimism, be it toxic or faux or whatever you want to call mm-hmm. it. I'm talking about the optimism of the choosing type. Right. Mm, yeah. So. In our world, uh, or our area of the world in the United States, um, I could read off mass gun violence, um, political, I call it nonsense, but call it what you will, political upheaval, maybe as a way to describe it, um, economic issues, specifically pertaining to inflation yes, and the impact that that is having. Um, and a never changing workplace where it's impacted by the pandemic. It's not impacted by the pandemic. There's a mask mandate. There's not a mask mandate. There's a new variant of COVID and now we have monkeypox and all those different things. So for some, it might be like, well, yeah, easy for you to say, be optimistic. Uh, I would just like everybody to know, and I'm going to detail a bit of a story today to show you that, no, it's not me on the mountaintop saying be optimistic. Right now, optimism is hard work. Mm -hmm. It really is. Because 
quite frankly, just from a pragmatic standpoint, all those things that I listed uh, are are issues. I mean, they're and they're big ones. And I think the idea of pragmatism coupled with optimism is not two things going at each other. You know, to me, pragmatism pragmatism is I am looking at it realistically. Mm-hmm. You know, I am not ignoring what's really happening. And you need to have that information so that you can, you know, do what you need to do to, to counteract it or to uh, uh, move on from it. So, yes, pragmatism is not a bad word when we're talking about this. So... All of us are going to face different challenges, um, obstacles, opportunities that will will challenge mm-hmm. um, our our ability to um, sort of embrace optimism. And um, this idea of optimism, I, I like how it's connected to innovation. Mm-hmm. You know, when when we are in a position where we have to look at different options and doing things differently. Uh, maybe that's in how we think about things or just in the practical matter of what we're doing. Um, we have to have a perspective that there are options that could work and could solve. Because all of the different things that I mentioned, they're not things that could not be remedied, improved, solved, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, and don't get me wrong. I, I'm certainly not going to be the one, uh, at least I don't think I am, uh, that's going to have like here's the silver bullet to stop mask shootings. Um, mm-hmm. I've got some ideas as to why it's happening. I have some ideas about what could maybe improve it, but it's a big, big issue. And it didn't just start last week. Mm-hmm. But I'm speaking more so, Jeff, in how we approach when we encounter those personal times of great challenge. And I think on our last episode, we may have broke our Spirit of EQ podcasting rule, which is some kind of musical reference. Well, we talked about dancing in the tune. That we did. So our streak continues. All right. All right. (laughs) I'm going to read to you some lyrics from a song um, that I really, really love. But the story inside of the song and the way that the character is weaving optimism with that pragmatic, I know I'm in a ditch, I know this This is a bad situation, okay? Okay. Uh, the name of the song is called Lines on My Face, and it's by Peter Frampton. Okay. All right? Lines on my head from that one thing you said. She spoke of strangers that don't sleep to a bed. Kept on trying, buying time, not waiting on fate. Somehow got the feeling that I opened my eyes too late. I saw where you came from. I called out your name, but there's no answer. We lived on your doorstep. I made you my wife, but I don't need that. Lines on my face while I laugh lest I cry. Speed city, dirt and gritty, waving me goodbye. So many people, the family of friends, trying so hard to make me smile until this heartache mends. I saw where you came from. I called out your name, but there's no answer. 
We lived on your doorstep. I made you my wife, but I don't need that. Ice in her eyes, frozen tears, could never be a surprise. You can't erase a dream. You can only wake me up. My mind is turning slower, never to accept defeat. It don't matter where I stay. I still got a house to heat. I saw where you came from. I called out your name, but there's no answer. We lived on your doorstep. I made you my wife, but I don't need that. So in that set of lyrics, Mm -hmm. um, did you see the blend? Mm -hmm. Yes. I mean, he's, he's expressing the heartache. He's expressing the loss. But he's talking about getting up. He's talking about, I've got to move on. I mean, all that different thing. And I, Jeff, and you, and I've talked about this offline. I mean, the the way in which music and song can communicate mm-hmm. lessons, yeah. right? Um, I am of the firm belief that that kind of song, even though it's about heartache and, and the breakup of, and the and primarily at least it appears like a divorce, mm-hmm. um, a loss of a relationship, Um we are constantly going to be and have been confronted with different circumstances that leave us uh, sort of flat-footed, mm-hmm. right? And the key in those times is are we willing to find the opportunity? It doesn't take away the pain. It does not solve the problem as much as it provides a very strong navigational tool through the right problem. i like that navigating right mm-hmm. i mean it really does um because let's face it there's some issues that we encounter that do not have a answer tomorrow type scenario right, right. Mm-hmm. so if the answer is not going to come tomorrow and it might be weeks if not months how do i navigate that that's hard it's a good response it is <laughs> Mm-hmm. And that's why I, I wanted today to be that. That's why it's a decision. It has to be a deliberate, intentional decision that I'm going to be that. It's not, in my experience, it's not. I it come. It does not come by inspiration or muse. It, it is. I know where I'm at. Mm-hmm. Your pragmatism, as you just mm-hmm. said, I know where I am at. I am choosing that there are possibilities of navigating through this and potentially on the other side of it, a better situation. The only reason that I will stay where I'm at is I decide to. Which is a form of optimism. Mm -hmm. If I decide to stay where I'm at, but I make the decision to move ahead. And I like where you said that too, Jeff, and certainly correct me if I'm missing understanding what you're saying. This is not about us saying, here's what you need to do. Mm-hmm. You, you have to decide. Because I have met people, and I am one of those people, that where people thought, you don't need to do that. That's a great example. When The first time I went to therapy, when I was considering it, I had people say, I, I don't think it rises to that level. I don't think you need to do that. <laughs> I, 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 I think if you just, and then they recommended some other things. But I said, Sorry, no, no. I I know this is a ditch, and I'm I'm going to do this. I have to, right? So I want to just 
for our listeners to understand, you've got to be the one to decide. Exactly. And if what you decide does not match up with the advice of many others, then so be it. If you need to pause and say, I know I'm making my way, but right now I need a breath. You need to do that. Mm-hmm. Was was I close in understanding what yeah. you're saying there? You, you can. It's okay to stay where you are as long as you're working on next steps, I guess, is maybe another way to say it, where you're, at, you're evaluating. Well, I think of it, Jeff, in the sense of a pit stop when I mm-hmm. think about motor racing. Right. I mean, you know, I, I, and you're more of a motor racing fan than I am. Uh-huh. I believe there's got to be some strategic reason why they take a pit stop. Well, yeah, they, they, okay, the race that I saw yesterday was a road race with NASCAR. Okay. And the the guy won because he pitted differently than everybody else. So when it came to the end of the race, he was in the lead. So he they his team and him made a decision. Okay, we're not in a position to win. So what can we do to put you in a place to win? So there was optimism in that they didn't yeah. have to come in because they needed tires and gas right then. Yeah, I'm going to do it now. So I don't have to do it when everybody else is. Yeah, right. So, I mean, there obviously was a, a belief that in by doing that, they improved their chances to win mm-hmm. versus not. Mm-hmm. And I think that that has application in, in our lives, Yeah, which leads me to another area about this, and that is the building of resources. Mm-hmm. A gentleman yes. that both you and I know pretty well, David Tubley. I'll never forget. <laughs> I love the man. Yeah, I never will forget um, I don't think he intended it to be some profound moment, but I'm 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 in a session with him, and it was this discussion about. I want to say it was uh, one of the participants had a client who had people that stole from him, and it was by surprise, and the people were left kind of stunned that they didn't know what to do. And David says. I think it's important for all of us to remember that you can only call upon the resources that you've built up until the moment of the crisis. Mm -hmm. Because when the crisis comes, you can't go, it's not like a bank. I'll go to the ATM and withdraw some more courage. I'm going to go to the ATM and I'm going to withdraw some more, uh, you know, empathy, whatever. Right. (laughs) And that's just stuck with me since I heard that the first time. And fast forward, I'm on another Session. I'm in another session, and the discussion is about what do we see coming in 2023. And uh, I'm going to read some of the um, some of the responses to this idea about what they see as far as changes and challenges. Um, but what was striking to me personally, um, and I've always believed, Jeff, and I've mentioned it on episodes before. I believe in the four pillars: spiritual mental, physical, and emotional health. Mm -hmm. Those are the four pillars. Call them the four legs of the stool. Call them four tires on a car, whatever you want to use. But building resources inside of those, even in the midst of very difficult times, is essential. Because, I'm going to read some of these. These are random, anecdotal, not scientific. It's just, hey, what do you think are some of the Uh, Potential changes and challenges ahead. Words like anxiety, trauma, lots of trauma, polarized society, depression, big decisions, equity, brain health, loneliness, fear. Some of these words were repeated, Jeff. 
Mm-hmm. I see trauma here like four or five times. And this is uh, something that struck me. You, you read that to me before, and there's one word that really struck me, numb. Yeah, yeah, that was one of them. Yep, ongoing burnout. Here's what really struck me is that it was coming from people who are practitioners. Now, that doesn't mean that they're all experiencing this. That's not, that's what, it was just, they were, it was their prediction, their mm-hmm. belief. Here's what, here's what we're going to look at in 2023. And I did, I spoke up in that meeting and I said, well, this is, I'm going to stress to everyone, this is coming from a guy in my corporate days who thought he could drive a four wheel car with three wheels. <laughs> okay. So use my four pillars Yeah, and imagine that the four pillars are four tires on your car. And I said to you, Hey Jeff, um, you might notice I've only got three wheels on my car, but it's okay. Cause I can do without that fourth thing. You, you would, you would laugh at me. <laughs> You're just going to tip over. Right. And <laughs> straight transparent with you, Jeff. There were times where I thought I could do it with two. And the funny thing about it is our culture gives you plenty of things to hide behind. Mm, Yes. Give you the illusion. Oh, it's working great. You'd look at it and go, Eric, how you're going to destroy your car trying to drive it with two wheels. But Jeff, if I've got people in my ear telling me how great I am, I could dismiss you. I could I can hide behind all of the good cheer that I get from all kinds of people that maybe don't even know you and maybe really don't even care. So as I heard that, I, I said, it, it, I think it is essential for all of us to build our resources. And I don't know how much resources I'm going to need in each of those four areas, but I want to do as much as I can to be ready to deploy my resources as best I can in that moment. I don't want to have the regret, Jeff, of saying, yeah, you know, eight months ago, I thought about it and I I was going to, but I didn't. Because Jeff, I, I hope that these quote predictions or thoughts about what's coming don't come to pass. I hope We'll just look at Same it and, and we'll just wipe our brow like, wow, that was close. However, I also have to realize the pragmatist in me, it's very real possibility. Yeah. Um, you know, you mentioned the pit stop, but there's another thing that happens. Uh, when when a, a race team shows up at a track, they just don't take the car off the hauler and go. They prepare it. And that's what you're talking about doing. They, they spend hours and hours and hours getting the car ready for the race. And I think that's what we, that's what you're talking about in this. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely, Jeff. Because, you know, here's the thing. You think about that example. They probably, my gut, you, again, you're, you're more of an expert okay. in this area than I am. But um, I would imagine there is some type of checklist. There's we, a, need, we need to look at this. We need to look at this. And we need to look at this. And they're also... Okay, it's NASCAR, you know, it's NASCAR, so most of NASCAR is oval. They only turn left. On a road course, it's different. So they know that their course, this race, is going to be different than the last one. Yeah. So they're going to prepare the car for what's coming up. Yeah. And I think that's what we need to do. We need to look at those things that those people mentioned 
and how can I prepare for those things? Right, because if, for example, if brain health is going to be a predominant issue ahead, Mm -hmm. then what do I need to do to be prepared in a world that looks like that? That might also have a few of these other words attached, be it trauma, uh, relationship changes, those kind of things, right? Yeah, I think, I think okay, and, and a, we'll look at that instance. I need to prepare my brain to stay healthy. Exactly. Then if I've done that, I can hone my skills or my focus to be able to help people. Exactly, Jeff, because this is not some theoretical conversation about, oh, yeah, I'm going to read that article on brain health, Eric, and boy, that, that's going to be something that we might be able to use for a future blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. No, no, this is a message to Jeff. It's a message to Eric, right? Mm-hmm. And, and Jeff, here's, here's where I'm going with it as it relates to this optimism thing. What if I'm not optimistic? What do I do then? Mm. I think if I'm not optimistic, I'm probably not building resources because why would I build resources? Why would I prepare? Because it's not going to work. It's all going to be. It's going to be bad. It's not going to. You see where I'm going? Yeah. If if you're optimistic, going into into this, you know, looking at pragmatically again, yep. this issue of people are going to be suffering from brain health. So, you know, I have ways to help them. I you know I know that you know I've had training and I have experience or I have mm-hmm. people that I can work with. I know that I can be a benefit to them. That's looking at it optimistically, I believe. Yeah, because um, is it not a case of we're we're examining where it is that we can apply help towards solution, mm-hmm. right? Um, I'm not. Neither one of us at any point have said no, no, no. We don't believe that all the things that are happening in our society are that bad. It's really, you know, these things happen and, you know, they're, they're, they're just minor blips on the screen. Um, I, I think it is much healthier and I think we get to a solution a lot faster if we can also acknowledge that, yes, there is a problem mm-hmm. and yes, it does suck. No doubt. No, no ifs, ands, or buts, but our ability to leverage that sort of you know what, I'm acknowledging it, but I'm going to choose to figure out, I'm going to choose to go down a path that's going to help me, again, navigate what is something I'd prefer not to have happened, Mm -hmm. right? I've also mentioned before um, this idea about innovation and that optimism is a key component of that. Mm Mm-hmm. And it's probably not lost on our listeners that in the end, yeah, that makes total sense, right? If you're wanting to change something for the better, and let's just say it's not, again, we're not looking at a a very traumatic event that is, you know, sort of wrapping the need for change. But I'm saying just in how we do what we do. And one perfect example, we were talking with our producer before we recorded today about ways in which we can deliver content. Right. And we were just bouncing off ideas and maybe this. And well, what if we did that? Okay. Well, we, we have a lot of content over here. And what I loved about it, Jeff, is that we were talking about all the different ways that we could tackle it. Mm-hmm. Now, 
imagine if our producer, Brett, nah, that won't work. I've had many clients that have tried that. Doesn't go. Doesn't work. Oh, okay, Brett. Well, what about if we tried, uh, what about this other thing? This There's this recording tool that you can, it, it builds trans. No, no, no. I think you just need to stick with your podcast recording. Just be in the studio. Do it like you've always done it. Well, has anyone ever heard of a company named Kodak? <laughs> a lot of people aren't old enough to know what Kodak is. <laughs> well, just now that you've been... You've, you've embarrassed me, Jeff, too, that I must admit how old I am. Uh, but let's face, let's do that story, right? One of the the lessons of Kodak. And this is the one that sticks out for me. I mean, they made a lot of blunders toward yeah. the end. But one is they used to own the rights to digital photography. They developed it. They 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 were the, the place to go. Okay. So you would ask the question, was there anybody inside of there saying, well, you know what we could do, or I don't know, it hasn't been developed yet, but you know these these cellular phones. Could you imagine? <laughs> More than likely, they had somebody in there who was a manager, a leader, who said, no, no, nobody's going to be taking photographs on their phone and not have, they, you gotta, you got to print off the photos, right? Yeah, you can't. Maybe there's this place we can store them where I can let Eric and Brett and 10 other people go to where these pictures are and just look at them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm saying that within, even though that's that's a funny but sad story about Kodak, um, it is true that optimism or pessimism, right? Mm -hmm. Pessimism will close the deal down very quickly. Or the company. Yeah, in this case, right, with with what we mentioned about Kodak. Mm -hmm. um, and that, it, it's not easy work. And, and I, I don't want that to be missed that because you're going to get resistance. You're going to find yourself in a room full of naysayers. You're going to find that you are the unicorn in the room, right? <laughs> and it's going to feel hard to speak up. It's mm -hmm. going to feel intimidating, there's going to be a lot of pressure for you just to go along. I'm just, you know, we, we didn't really talk a lot about it as far as courage and optimism, but I, I think a little dose of the courage factor also plays into this. You're, you're going to have that time where it's going to be dependent upon you to, to stand up and say, this is what I think, this is what I believe. And be prepared to be hammered back down because people don't like unevenness. <laughs> yeah, um, which kind of leads, as, as we get close to uh, ending today's episode, Jeff, about w what are some of the warnings when you, I mean, in a time of a lot of pessimism and you're the optimist, what are some of the things that you'd say to people that, hey, because you just mentioned one about, you know, be prepared for? Well, be prepared for that. Um, be prepared to be laughed at. Yeah. Um, be prepared to call your you're crazy. Mm -hmm. There, you know, we can't get ourselves out of this situation, or yep. we can't change things. Um, just be prepared for those things. You you mentioned unicorn. You know, you're going to be unique, and being unique can cause you a lot of problems. Is it, 
is it a uh, is it a case of if you're not an optimist, you're a pessimist? And I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of give that a little context. Okay. With one of our previous guests, uh, Perry Moffmer. Um, and you know Perry. He has this way about him, his ability to just dispense something and it just like sits there. Mm-hmm. And then it just slowly spreads across <laughs> your brain and you're kind of going, wow, wow. So he said once on a call, this couple years ago maybe, you're either building people up or you're tearing them down. There is no net neutral. Mm. Oh, my gosh. I remember just sitting there going, okay. I started examining my relationships and the people are, uh, how, how am I, how, what's my delivery? What's my, what am I saying to them? And yes, there was that also, uh, everyone out there, listeners, there was a part of me that said, well, well you, not every situation. I, there, there's got to be times when it's, I, I wanted to wiggle out of it because it was like, <laughs> oh my gosh, that's so freaking daunting to think of that. If you're not an optimist, are you a pessimist? What do you think about that? Is that? Is it that black and white? I mean, even in light of Perry's example of building people up or tearing them down. I think it is extremely hard, especially in today's society, to stand still. You're going to get moved along in a direction. And if you're a pessimist, you're going to get moved along with the prevailing thing, like those people that you you read of. Mm. That is going to move you along in a direction. Even if you know, even if you're not pessimistic or optimistic, you're going to get moved along in a direction. You have to decide. So if I want to be an optimist, I'm picking the direction that I want to go with what's happening. Mm-hmm. I am not letting uh, this other thing. And this goes back to one of our competencies: Are you intrinsically or extrinsically motivated? Mm. Are you letting? Outside influences, all this stuff that's going on around us influencing you, are you are you being intrinsically motivated with your core values, your beliefs, mm-hmm. uh, your North Star? Yeah. I, I, did that answer your question? <laughs> yeah, it did. And, and it leads me to uh, kind of the um, – some tips I'd like to leave with uh, our listeners. Um, I am a firm believer that – Emotional intelligence in general, we should all be um, striving to make it a practice. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by practice, Jeff, is if you're a coffee drinker, which I am, there's a certain way that I make coffee every morning. My practice is I get the paper filter. Mm -hmm. uh, I rinse it off with hot water. I put it into the cradle. I use three tablespoons or so of ground. I grind my own beans. I don't buy ground coffee already in the bag. Mm -hmm. And I have a certain measurement for the water. And then I sweeten it with stevia and cinnamon. And I use oat milk as my creamer. And I virtually do it that way every day. That's my practice. Now, that's not to say that, Jeff, if you said, Eric, oh, man, when you rinse it off with the hot water, add just a pinch of, pinch of salt. It'll add a little bit of flavor to the coffee. I'd be open to that. I'd be willing to try mm-hmm. it. But if I decided that was really good, then that would become a part of my practice. It would be water, pinch of salt, coffee, right? Mm-hmm. 
That's what I mean by a practice. Mm-hmm. I'm not talking about uh, I, sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. It's I'm going to be intentional. This is the way I want to do this, right? Mm-hmm. And again, with some openness to change and openness to to do new things. But whatever it is you do, make it a practice. Because far too often what we find, and you've seen it, right? The best intentions begin, they get the information, and then it gets crowded out by all of the competing voices and messages. And then it becomes a, yeah, I, you know, I, I took a course on that. Or, yeah, I had an assessment done on that. Oh, yeah, I was in that <laughs> workshop for that. Did you see this episode of Dr. Phil? <laughs> <laughs> no. But you see where I'm going. Yeah. It has to be an intentional practice. Part of that as well is I do believe that we need to be talking to ourselves more often. Mm -hmm. Because one of the things that I think about optimism and pessimism from my perspective personally is that when I drift toward pessimism, it's very seductive because it typically calls to the messages and all of the things that the herd is saying and doing. You know, it's also a call to inaction, I don't have to do anything. That's a great point. So what I have found for me is I need to talk to myself more. And I do. I, I, Cause I need to pull Eric out of that pessimism and move back into optimism. Well, what choices do I have? What, what options do I have in front of me? What if I tried this? And I have to do that because if not, I'm, I have a tendency And I don't believe in this naturally optimistic or naturally pessimistic. I think that's, quite frankly, yes, I do believe there's certain personalities are maybe more prone and bless them. But to say that only certain people can be optimistic and certain people are pessimistic, I think is, again, that comes into that inaction thing. Mm -hmm. It's learnable. It's you can learn to be optimistic. Mm -hmm. And I, yeah, I, I agree. Uh, yeah, you learn those traits from parents, from... Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I get it. The, the dynamic of that is, is broad. I'm just saying it from the standpoint of that you've got to find your techniques, your approaches to keep the optimism fueled up, mm-hmm. right? Um, and again, as we said in the beginning, we're not talking about being the sun sh- sunshine every day thing. It is that pragmatism. It is I'm acknowledging that it's it's tough and it's and it's it's not something that I like. However, I'm taking time to explore what options do I have? How could I navigate this? That kind of thing. You know, it goes is it I never say right. Sun Tzu, one of his sayings is, you know, don't underestimate your enemy. Yeah. The statement unto itself though, regardless of who gets the credit for it, <laughs> is pretty powerful. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think in the end it's a choice. Mm -hmm. Um, And maybe that's no accident why it's in our choose yourself pursuit. Mm -hmm. You have to choose it. Exactly. Well, everyone, thank you for tuning in. As always, we've enjoyed it and we look forward to the next time that we're together. Take care. Hi, everyone. This is Eric Pennington with The Spirit of EQ. I'm not introducing a new episode today. I'm here to tell you some things that might help you. Jeff, you're with me as always. So yes. how do people get in touch with us? Well, the best way is just send us an email at info at spiritofeq.com. That's awesome. Jeff, I was also thinking about reviews, 
and I'm notoriously bad at asking for them. So, reviews on all of the platforms, wherever you get your podcasts, yes. do you think that'd be good? I think that would be great because, one, that will help us learn how to make better ones. And it's always good for us. So, to we're, hear- we're not the perfect podcast host. Close. Okay. All but, right. But, but not, still, not totally. We want perfect. your feedback. We want your feedback. But it it also might uh, let us know a new subject. Hey, we need to dig deeper into that. Yeah. So let us know what you think. Cool. We really appreciate that. As always, too, there is social media: LinkedIn, Facebook, and we also have a YouTube channel. Those also have mechanisms or, or options for you to be able to leave a comment, a like, or those kind of things. Just want to make sure that you know how to get in touch with us. Right, Jeff? Right. We appreciate you all. Thank you. Once again, we really appreciate you tuning in today. One of the things that Jeff and I want to bring to your attention as well is that when we created this podcast, it was not intended to take the place of a clinician. In other words, if you find yourself in a place where there's something deeper going on or something that you cannot solve on your own, we do recommend that you reach out to a clinician of some sort. This podcast is purely opinion-based, and it is rooted in the desire to help you along your path in whatever way we can. However, it is never going to replace, nor should it ever be looked at as a replacement for clinical help in any way. Thanks again for tuning in.